Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, the Washington Capitals are home today. They're going to host the Rangers at 1 o'clock. My next guest, Steve Wino from the Associated Press, will be there. And Steve is joining us here on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Excited to visit here with my guy, Steve Wino, who is, of course, not just a great writer, great insider covering the NHL, not just a Wawa enthusiast or a pretty face. He is also the author of the great book, Odd Man in Hockey's Emergency Goalies and the Wildest One-Day Job in Sports. Uh, Mr. Wino, appreciate the, the, the time. It, it, I saw your tweeting. It's snowing out there. What, what is happening here? I'm not, I know this is the deal and you're a hockey guy, so you're probably used to this, but what, what is, when did, what's snow? What's happening here? This is crazy. Uh, Yeah, Ben, thank you for the plug. No, it's snowing outside. Uh, One of the bathrooms on the event level of the arena is is flooding. Um, Things are things are going great here uh, downtown in Chinatown for uh, Capitals Rangers. Wow. Okay. Well, that that that's uh, that's uh, I don't know if that's TMI or that's just bad luck for everybody. But all right, good good to know. I mean, like two days ago we were in Ashburn for the Eric Bieniemy presser. It was like eighty degrees, and now there's snow. Uh, Life moves fast. Uh, We'll we'll come back to the Bieniemy part in a sec. But since you are at the game uh, t- today, and, and the Capitals are making some moves here. The the cap the, the NHL, NHL trade deadline is coming up, so we'll see if the Capitals do anything else. They have already though made a significant deal involving Dmitry Orlov. Just give us your breakdown of what the Capitals did there and why they did it. Well, yeah, look, the, the Capitals have a, a handful of guys who are, are free agents who are, are probably not coming back next year. Dimitri Orlov, Garner Hathaway being two of those players. And, and the Capitals are in the mode now of not tanking, not giving up on the season, but guys kind of planning for a reset for next year. And, and so they go out and, and trade Dimitri Orlov and Garner Hathaway to, to the Boston Bruins, who are leading the league and, and, and kind of needed some, some more size and some toughness. And they get that. And the Capitals get back some draft picks and, and, a, and a veteran player in Craig Smith who has kind of been around the block and, and kind of knows how to handle these kind of situations. And, and they're not far out of a playoff spot still, but uh, I would expect Brian McClellan to take these picks and, and kind of the assets from this trade and, and other trades over the next 
five or six days and turn it into guys who are going to be on this roster next year and help. This is not going to be a rebuild. This is not going to be any kind of long-term project, but that the Capitals are, are trying to make moves to shore up next year, even maybe at the expense of, of if you get in this year, you're probably going to lose in the first round anyway. So kind of a little bit of short-term planning. So, all right, here, here's my question. I, I have to say I don't have the pulse of the Caps fan base would be the understatement of the year, but you do. Uh, Capitals won the Stanley Cup in 2018. Since then, lost in the first round, 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 and now we'll see if they make enough trades to, to move some of these vets. As you're saying, they may not even make the playoffs this year. Where, where's the fan base at with where things are? Because it's one thing to say they're not tanking or whatever, but like, are they going to, are people getting frustrated that they're not still even viewed as a contender here in the NHL? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think the fan base, certainly if this team did not win a championship in 2018 or win a championship along the way, it would be very different. It would be a lot of the frustrations that had been around this team from, from 2010 on about not winning. But just having that championship, I think, helps. And I think uh, a, a lot of folks who are, are kind of plugged in and pay attention in season tech holders and folks understand that, that the ceiling on this team this year with all the crap that's gone wrong with John Carlson takes a puck to the head and, and, and fractures his skull and, and Nick Backstrom's hurt and Tom Wilson's hurt and all the other things that have happened to this team. Alex Ovechkin's dad dies and he misses four games. So many things have happened to this team that you realize the ceiling was probably getting to the first round, maybe win a couple games, maybe win a round that I think the, the, the expectation is to still contend for the next couple of years while Alex Ovechkin is chasing Wayne Gretzky's goal record. And so while they're doing that, it's okay to take maybe a short step back. Now, if we're talking a year from now and this team is out of contention at that point, then it's a whole different story. But I think right now there's a lot of patience left in the fan base given what this team has, has delivered this city over the past decade, including a championship. All right, we're talking with Steve Wino from the Associated Press at S Wino W H Y N O on Twitter. All right, let me ask you this: I I totally understand why they would not flat out rebuild like all the way down because from a business perspective, you want to ride this Alex Ovechkin thing as long as you can. Zero percent chance. Ted Leonsis would ever authorize a trade of Alex Ovechkin unless Ovechkin, I guess, maybe came to him and said something. There's not going to do that. And again, from a business perspective, makes all the sense in the world. You're still going to get, you know, butts in seats to watch him, especially as he gets closer to these to Wayne Gretzky. But if I if I said to you, here's the the team is exactly the same, but we take out the historic context of Ovechkin. Do you still look at it as a team that should be trying to do what you're saying, sort of like stay? involved but not necessarily bottom out or do you think they should again without this context uh, historical context are they a team that maybe should look to really bottom out to then start over yeah i, I think there'd be more of an appetite to to do a maybe a may a two-year to rebuild and try to contend by the end of alex Ovechkin's career and, and kind of see if you can bring an infusion of youth in and do that if he wasn't chasing this record. And, and I think there was a, there was probably a time even two years ago that that was an option for Brian McCollin and, and this franchise to say, okay, we could take a step back and not sign some of these older players long-term and, and not go this path. That was, that was one of the routes they could have taken, but 
because of the record, they, they, this team, and, and Ted Leonsis has said this publicly, and, and Brian McClellan is, is now tasked with doing it, they want to be good enough. You're not, you're not wrong. From a business standpoint, it, it's true. But from a hockey standpoint, it's also true that if you want him to break this record, you need to have a good enough team to set him up to score goals. And, and that's part of the, the contending aspect of this. And it's a regular season record. It, it, I'm not saying this team's not going to make the playoffs again during this stretch, but the whole point is to be as good of a team offensively to set up Alex Ovechkin as possible because this is a record that a whole lot of people over the last couple, few decades have thought it was never going to be broken, and it's in reach for Alex Ovechkin. Um, the, the idea of whether they make other trades or not, there's still going to be games to be played, and like you said, they're still in the mix to make the playoffs. Who for you, whether it's today against the Rangers or just down the stretch, who is a player or what's a situation that needs to that you're watching to see can this is where they need to improve or somebody has to step up for this team to be able to uh, you know move forward here. Well, Kenny Kuznetsov needs to wake up, and, and he's been not great this season, and, and, and it's been one of the reasons why they, the Capitals have struggled and, and not lived up to expectations this year. They've gotten solid goaltending. A lot of injuries have happened. You can't lose your number one defenseman and, 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 and then trade your number three defenseman, essentially, and, and expect everything to be okay. But Kenny Kuznetsov is getting paid a lot of money to produce uh, to, to, to create goals and all of those things. He's not lived up to that expectation. It's hard to, to see them even moving his contract and, and getting out from under that contract. So he needs, for, for them to have any chance of kind of climbing over some of these younger teams, upstart teams, to get into a playoff spot, Evgeny Kuznetsov needs to be the player he was last season, not the player he was two years ago and for most of this year. Uh, we're talking with Steve Wino from the Associated Press, and I said at the top that, of course, Steve uh, – is the author of a new book, The Odd Man In, about emergency goalies in hockey. And I'm curious, like, look, I know you. We've all talked about it. We talk about it on the beat. It's exciting to see my friend have a book, and it's it's gotten a great uh, reception. What, what's been, like, the reception you've gotten from the, the, the NHL people, the, the players, the coaches, executives, whatever? Are people talking to you ab- ab- about this and about you know, whether the oddity of the stories or whatever it is? What's been that reception? It's been really cool to talk to the guys who are in the book, some some of the guys, the, the goalies who are involved, and hear them enjoy how much they're enjoying reading and hearing about the other guys in the book. And, and, and kind of they know their own stories, obviously, but, but them learning about kind of the history of this and where they fit into it. And, and, and I got to see David Ayers, who, who played for Carolina at Toronto a few years ago and, and went into a game famously and then went on the, the – Colbert show and today show and all these other things and, and he didn't know a whole lot about Scott Foster the the accountant in Chicago who I sat down with and talked for a while at his local brewery for this book and and he was excited to, to, to learn about the other guy's story so that's been the, the most fun part of this is, is some of the guys in the book learning about the other ones and, and kind of the stories they didn't they, they hadn't known yet um, all right let's let's uh, transition away from and, and again I encourage everybody to go out and get Steve's book uh, you know Christmas already happened. Christmas, they're still going to come next year. Just get it now. You, you get your Christmas shopping done already. Um, the Commanders, you were out there with me on Thursday. We got, a, we got to see Eric Bien-Aimé. Uh Just give me your first impression of uh, what's probably going to be the splashiest move Washington made, both impression of the guy and also the decision to go with Bien-Aimé. Yeah, it is a splashy move, and he's a big name, and I think because of the, the, the two – Super Bowl titles and the success the Chiefs have had, it's deserved. And 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 we were there. We were sitting there listening to the, to the news conference and seeing him hug Terry McLaurin and, and talk to them. I can see how how players want to run through a wall for him. 
and and it remains to be seen. And this is the reason why he does has not gotten a head coaching job. Is we don't know how much of it is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and how much of it is Eric Bieniemy. But from a motivating standpoint, I see why players want to play for someone like Eric Bieniemy. And, and if he is the offensive genius that that the, the Commanders and Ron Rivera certainly hope he is, and is able to get out of obviously not Patrick Mahomes level out of Sam Howell, but if he is able to take an offense around Sam Howell with the, the weapons like Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, uh, Logan Thomas, uh, McLaren, Samuel, Dotson, and, and, and have success with it where Scott Turner didn't, he's going to be a head coach, whether it's in Washington or somewhere else. Uh, it's one of, it was one of the more exciting days in Ashburn I can remember in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once the, the uh, new car smell kind of wore off on the Rivera era, you know, we've been waiting, uh, you know, the fans, and also even, like, we're not emotionally invested in the team, but obviously, you know, we're people. Some things are more exciting than others. There hasn't been a lot to get excited about. I think that is the understatement of of the year. Um, that said, from Ron Rivera's perspective, I don't know. Like, the, I, somebody asked me earlier, is there any chance that, you know, he hired the guy who could replace him next year? Uh, you know, d- d- is is he taking – is he going for a PR win Versus maybe somebody who was perhaps a a, a a different fit. I don't want to say better fit, but a different fit. So, you know, obviously there are questions about enemy to an extent because he hasn't had the chance to uh, run an offense. What do you think about it from that perspective with Rivera? Well, I, I do think there's a I do think there's a good chance that Ron Rivera hired the guy who's going to replace him. I think there's a really good chance of that. Uh, and 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 but that but if if it if it succeeds and the defense also looks the same and the team has success, there's no reason why Ron Rivera shouldn't continue coaching and might wind up losing Eric Bieniemy to to a head coaching job. But yeah, there, there, there's some politics involved here. This is a little bit of a risk for Ron Rivera. But when he has risked his his career and and, and this job on. Carson Wentz in the past, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick obviously didn't work out. And there's other things like this is a, a roll of the dice that is a calculated risk, I think, for Ron Rivera. Of hey, if 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 we win, kind of like this is a rising tide lifts all boats kind of situation. That, that if he succeeds and Eric Bieniemy succeeds, that even if somehow Eric Bieniemy usurps him as head coach, if Ron Rivera can say, look, I know how to hire people, I know how to run defense. He's going to get another job, uh, or he's going to get an extension on, on on the contract in Washington and continue coaching here. You know, just to tie these two teams together, the Caps and the Commanders, for the past you know however many years it's been with Ovechkin, the plan seemingly has always been around for the Capitals. How do we work around Alex Ovechkin? He's been the North Star when it comes to planning. Washington, at least under Rivera, it's been all over the place, right? I mean, one year. You know they're going in for all the quarterbacks they can find. The next year they're going really cheap with Sam Howell and saying, you know, it can be really dangerous to give up too many assets for a quarterback. Now here comes the enemies coming in. This is a change. What, what, what do you? What is there? Do you? Do you like? What do you think their plan is? I guess going forward beyond the enemy, like do you? Do you kind of understand what their plan is, or are they just still maybe searching and don't even quite know it themselves at this point? I think it's actually the best plan, and and I think a few of us discussed this at the kind of on, on locker cleanout day. Is there's so much other money that needs to be allocated and, and other weaknesses that need to be filled around this team? And we're talking paying Duran, paying whether it's a franchise tag or, or whatever it need need be on the defensive line. It's rebuilding the offensive line, which I think Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy have kind of alluded to in recent days. And say if you can be cheap at the quarterback position with Sam Howell and probably a veteran, and probably a veteran with more experience than Taylor Heineke, just in case the wheels fall off 
with Sam Howell and kind of having a, a, a fail safe. But I think it's a smart move that you say, here's our cap space. We're going to we're going to try to make everything around Sam Howell and the offense work and have a dominating defense with, in theory, uh, Chase Young back healthy again and, and, and take your chances. I, I actually think this is the smartest path. And, and last year, I understand kind of the desire to want a starting quarterback. Maybe Carson Wentz wasn't the right guy. I think, obviously, in retrospect, was not the right guy. But I understood wanting to kind of solve that problem. But if you think Sam Howell can be the solution to that problem and you get to get him in the, in the fifth round instead of, of kind of a higher round where he was projected before that – it, it, it's a sound plan. It might blow up in their faces. We've seen things go wrong way worse in, in Ashburn and, and for this team before under many different names. But it, it, right now it seems like a sound strategy that if you think you can win with Sam Howell and, and you can make your defense better and make the rest of your offense better, it can work. The wheels never come off when you have Steve Wino on as a guest at S Wino on Twitter, go. You can go to his link. You'll see the link to buy his book. Go do that, and of course, check out his coverage as the Capitals are going today against the Rangers. My guy, I appreciate it. Enjoy the game. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Ben. Talk to you soon. All right, we are down the home stretch here on 106.7 The Fan. We've got more to discuss, though. We'll do that next here on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, we've talked a bunch about. The commanders here on the show, the Eric Bieniemy stuff in particular. And we also talked earlier about the NFL draft and the combine. I, I do want to discuss now, now what? What are the things that they need to do? I'm going to have a story up on The Athletic on Monday about sort of my, I think it was 10 or 11 point plan about what I would do if I was in charge of the commanders. And it's hard to to make those projections. I mean, it's hard on some level in general because I I'm not in the head of Ron Rivera, and you know even with whatever reporting I I, I can do, you never know for sure what what's going to transpire. Uh, so, is Ron Rivera going to look at this as this is a bit of a desperate situation? He needs to put all his chips in for this year. Whether that means keeping Deron Payne even on the franchise tag. Does that mean, um, you know, uh, using uh, whatever cap space he has to add veterans for right now? Uh, you know, what is his mindset on that? Or does he view this from a longer-term perspective? He does have two years left on his contract. He may not even feel that he's in any danger at all, regardless of what happens uh, this season. Obviously, I don't think you could win five games and feel good about your job, but if they're in a... 500 situation again, and Sam Howell has impressed enough that there's no questions he'll be the starter next year. Maybe that's enough to have Snyder or a new owner keep him around. But then there is the Snyder component of this. You know, I've noted before in my in my written work and here on the radio that the term budget was used multiple times in that final season press conference with Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew, a term that is not often mentioned salary cap. Yes. Budget. No. Is Dan Snyder going to let them spend the way they might normally would look to in an off season. That could be a huge factor as well. Like we all know that they need to build up their offensive line, starting offensive linemen of, are of difference of note. They cost money. They don't come cheap. Brandon Scherf, as we know, signed for a lot of money with Jacksonville in a long-term deal. He's the, the, 
the tip of the spear at that position, but other guys, even you know, further down the line, will cost a bunch of money as well. The cheaper aspect, or the cheaper option, I should say, is going with the draft. And Washington has the 16th overall pick. They have a pick in the second round. They'll get a compensatory pick at the end of the third round, uh, fourth as well. They can, you know, in those rounds, you can make some hay. Draft two offensive linemen. Maybe they're both even starters. They're also going to be younger players, and just you know, with that comes you know more ups and downs typically. So we'll see how Ron Rivera goes. I I actually will say I know people. There may be some people who think they've got to draft a quarterback high in this draft. I would say if you're a fan of this team from a longer term perspective, you actually don't want that to happen. If you draft a quarterback, let's just say Anthony Richardson from Florida is there at 16. He's considered like the fourth quarterback, probably. You've got Bryce Young. You've got C.J. Stroud. you got Will Levis. Some people think Richardson is ahead of maybe Levis, but in general, he's the fourth guy. If you draft him at 16, independent of whatever he does this year, a new coach will now be saddled with this guy, similar to the way Ron Rivera was when he took over with Dwayne Haskins here after one season you're kind of stuck. Maybe this quarterback is not to your liking. It doesn't fit your system in your scheme. Is this what you want? That's not necessarily Ron Rivera's worry. If he thinks, just to use him as an example, Richardson, who is, you know, a really raw talent, but a, but a talent nonetheless, and a mobile guy, if he thinks he can really help this team, then, you know, you can make the argument he should go that route. Again, we, we it feels like it's going to be a, the Sam Howell show. But now the next coach is is stuck with this guy that may be, again, not what they want. So I actually think it's better from the longer-term perspective, even if Sam Howell does not work out, for Washington to not invest in a uh, first-round pick at quarterback for for all of these kinds of, uh, kinds of reasons. Um, and by the way, like, if Sam Howell doesn't work and they do bring in a veteran as the number two – the investment in how most likely will not preclude them from moving on to a different quarterback. I, I think the Haskins situation, you know, and it's obviously it's always tough to bring him up now, but that situation was inher- an inherited quarterback that just was not working. So it was easier for Ron Rivera to make that move, even though he was a first round pick. Um, but in this case, I, I don't think it would be a problem to move on from Sam Howell for that reason. So we'll see what happens uh, with Washington on that front. But what else do they need? Here's one point I made in my, uh, it's not the things I think, it's the things I would do, I guess, story that I'll have up. And that's with the offensive line. You know, you can make an argument that they need, that they may have four different starters next year. Okay, uh, Charles Leno at left tackle seems likely to, still be there, although he's got a contract that there's some wiggle room there to restructure or even if they really want extreme to to release because there's pretty good cap savings. But if we assume that Leno is back and Sam Cosme will be somewhere, they need, you know, three other people perhaps to 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 get in there. Um center, you know, uh, uh, maybe the absolute unsexiest position of the starting 22 that there is. But it's an important one, uh, you know, not just for the snapping the ball to the quarterback. That player often is calling the pass protection. Um, 
you know, pointing out the blitzers and, and so on. And I think that's a pretty valuable piece to have when you're going to have this inexperienced quarterback in Sam Howe. The question is, though, how do you how do you do that? Um, the John Michael Schmitz, I think, from Minnesota, uh, is I he's basically the top center prospect in this draft. Had a really good Senior Bowl. If they were to take him, say, in round two, that could make a lot of sense for sure. But then now you have a rookie center with you know a borderline rookie quarterback. I I, I kind of feel like they should be looking at a veteran and. Could it be Chase Ruye? Maybe, but I would think they're going to ask Chase Ruye to either take a pay cut or he faces being released. He's got a big cap hit, too big for a guy that has had season-ending injuries the last two years. Uh, Tyler Larson, the backup, I don't know. They view him as a long-term starter, but Washington's surge last year came when he was in the middle, and it kind of collapsed when he got hurt late in the year. He's also a free agent. There are a couple other, there are some vets that are out there. Connor McGovern from the Jets, uh, Ethan Pot, I think it's Potchich uh, from the Browns, probably two of the most notable guys. Again, it's, if I tell you that the position they spend the most on free agency is a center, you're going to be like, dude, are you serious? That is boring. And yet at the same point, I, I do kind of feel that like it's something that they, they need to look at. You know, they could keep Andrew Norwell at left guard. Trey Turner is already is a free agent. I doubt he's coming back. Uh, Sam Cosme, move him to, to right guard. And again, if you if you do draft that, uh, or sorry, if you do sign that veteran center, maybe at that first round pick, you spend it on a tackle. There are three tackles uh, that are projected somewhere in that 6 to 16 range. Uh, I had one of them to Washington in the athletics first round mock draft I did with the other writers. Um, so that's one option. A guy like Dewan Jones, the massive tackle from Ohio state could be there in round two. That's a way to go. But I, I don't know. I kind of feel like signing a veteran center would be pretty helpful to say the least. Um, these are the types of things we'll be paying attention to at the combine. By the way, if you are an absolute combine nerd, you probably know this already, but they switched the order around. It always was offense first in terms of media availability and workouts. Now it's defense first. So we won't even see the quarterback and the skill players until deep into the week, which is a bummer for me, but that's the way the schedule is going to go. Um, Caitlin, do you care about the uh, NFL combine on any level? Are, are you somebody that's going to watch even 10 seconds of it? Or are you like, Oh, I'm taking notes. I want to see who these people are. Um, I'm definitely the type of person, like I'm the type of sports fan that's here to have fun. So I'm not exactly like strategically playing. Full disclosure, I'm a Dolphins fan. So what we're looking for and the things that we're doing is a little bit different. But for me, like I just like to sit back, enjoy. I like to see what comes out of it, but I'm not going to be like, Furiously tracking, like who's going where, what's happening here. Like, yeah, in, definitely in, gonna wait back and see. Yeah, in my younger days, I um, I did pay more attention to that stuff, and obviously, I do pay attention now because, if nothing else, for the job. But I don't get completely worked up over somebody's forty time, or you know, if somebody's looking, you know, better or, or or worse than expected. It's important. It's another data point, 
but at the same time, it's it's just at a data point. These players have largely played, you know, one, two, three years in college. These scouts have been studying them for a long time. Game tape is ultimately more important than what they do in Indy. Now, not for everybody. There will be, like, say, at receiver, you know, if somebody's known for their speed and they and they run a four five forty, that's not going to be great. Uh, at the same point, some other, like, say, bigger receivers, people might view them as not being particularly fast, and then they run a four five forty, but to go with a six foot three uh, frame, that could be a pretty big deal. Um, I mentioned before the tight ends. I feel like I'm definitely in the minority about the idea of Washington possibly taking one at 16. It's not, it's not the number one priority. Okay. We get that offensive line. That's going to be the number one priority for them this off season. There are three tackles, as I said before, who are projected to be high in the draft, but they all could reasonably be off the board before Washington picks. If then, and you look at how these boards are being projected, cornerback is probably where I would guess they could go next. You've got uh, Joey Porter Jr. at Penn from Penn State, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. Uh, you know these are also uh, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. These are the top three guys that play, and I would think at least one of them would be there at sixteen. Washington has Kendall Fuller, and they have Benjamin St. Juice, but they don't have you know much depth beyond that. Uh, Kendall Fuller, by the way, I think is somebody that they should be looking to extend. If again, if the insider is open to spending some longer term money, uh, going into his last year of his deal, for what it's worth, Kendall Fuller and Deron Payne share an agent. I'll just put that out there for the for what it's worth. Um, so they could draft a corner at sixteen, and you can never have enough pass defenders at this stage in the way the NFL is. So I, I think that is important to keep an eye on. And that's where the tight end thing comes into play. But I'm curious to see if Washington thinks that. Do they think that they it's a good value to spend a, a, for a tight end at 16 or not? But here we go. Uh, we got one more segment to go. I'll share some final thoughts. Uh, we'll get to that next here on 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, 